1: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Bro History. It's Henry Zamoda, Danny Adeljabar. What is going on, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Decade. Last to time you. I spoke with you it was last decade. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How many times have you heard that joke
0: today? Um none cuz I've been a really bad human and I've been in my room
1: all day. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I should have been uh I should have been that way as well. Sorry we missed Usually our schedule is always on Thursday but this one's coming out a day late. Um as always, I've been fighting off a lingering flu. So here's my problem and I think you can relate to this. I am, once winter comes, I'm just consistently kind of sick, but I'm always fighting off the cold. And I know I know I'm I'm uh beating on deaf eardrums right now and I'm sure you're you're tired of hearing this but yesterday damn i got a fever holy shit and it was honestly because of new year's eve uh, obviously i went out drinking on new year's eve as as danny as well i mm-hmm. believe that you were quite hung over the next day I was as well totally hung over a whole bottle of rum really didn't help me whole bottle of rum i had about mm-hmm. i i don't know how many drinks i had however um all that combined i ended up getting a big fever and have you ever seen the movie um walk hard no oh with uh with um john c riley from step brothers
0: no walk right. hard yeah, it's a parody it's one. a
1: parody on uh the johnny cash movie
0: oh okay
1: and there's a scene where he goes to rehab and they're like He's like, oh, I'm so hot, I'm so hot. And like, get him blankets, get him more blankets. And then he's like, oh, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. Like, now he needs less blankets. (laughs) And then he's like, I'm hot and I'm cold. It's like, He's like, doctor, now he needs more blankets and less blankets. (laughs) The doctor's like, I'm afraid you're right. (laughs) That's that's what I was like last. Is that how you're feeling
0: yesterday? That's (laughs) how I
1: was feeling yesterday, so we had to skip. But honestly, probably a blessing in disguise because there was so much news that happened over the past couple of days. There's there's no way that we would have been able to keep up with everything. And some of you guys have actually been reaching out to me and giving me some really good insight on, on the situation. Obviously, uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, what's going on in Iraq? Yep, what's going on? <laughs> so, as you all probably know, and... I'm sure you're all probably very aware that the US embassy was attacked in Baghdad, which is pretty crazy. It's um it, it stirs up a lot of historic images in, in like in recent history as well. One being one being Benghazi, where you see a bunch of people on Facebook, they're like, Oh yeah, Trump prevented Benghazi, Clinton, 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 Clinton. Right. <laughs> um one of those he's hearing that, but then you're also um my first thought is when I saw this, and, and Danny, give us just a quick like paraphrase of exactly what happened before we jump right into it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, last Friday, uh, the K-1 airbase in Iraq, uh, which is a U.S. airbase, uh, was uh, attacked by rocket fire. I think it was about 30 rockets were fired uh, into that airbase. Uh, it killed one um, American contractor and injured a couple others. Um, and nobody claimed responsibility for that particular rocket attack. Uh, though the U S blamed Iran, um, or Iranian backed, uh, um, militias in Iraq. Uh, and that's where it gets a little messy. Um, and in response to those rocket attacks, we decided to bomb the shit out of a group called, uh, Kataib Hezbollah, uh, who is a, um, Iraqi militia, uh, that is allied with the government, um, but that might have loose ties with Iran because they might have been um, basically uh, trained by the Iran Quds forces. Um, and in response to that attack, which killed 25 of their people and injured about 50 others, uh, they decided, uh, this, this particular fighting force, decided to have a little protest. So they basically walked right up to the embassy, and uh there was i don't know thousands of them uh, i didn't get an approximate count there but there was a whole lot of people and they started making a lot of noise and they tried battering down some doors they lit a fire they burned a bunch of shit uh there's some areas of the embassy that was pretty badly burned uh but nobody was hurt um and yeah that's pretty much the tldr of what happened the rest is, you know, well, the devil's in the details, as, as you can say. So we're going to break that down a bit further.
1: So the first thing that I thought when this was going on, when I when I got my Reuters update, um, I thought when I saw what was happening in the, in the green zone, um, I, I started thinking of what happened in Tehran 40 over 40 years ago. And furthermore, and I'm talking about the Iranian Revolution. Right. And furthermore, Trump, you know, of course, he draws that parallel even further by blaming everything on Iran. Um, I think the first tweet I saw from Trump on this was, Iran is orchestrating an attack on the U.S. Embassy in Iraq. Um, Mm -hmm. So, of course, Trump, I don't think, has great... I think he's quite without context when it comes to a lot of the things that are going on in the Middle East. Um, And if you have have common sense, (laughs) if you have common sense, the attack on the embassy most likely wasn't orchestrated by Iran because they would probably take credit for it if they did. Yep. It was a reaction to what happened only a few days prior, and that was when the US killed about twenty five and injured fifty others. Um, as you said, members of the Iraqi Shiite militia named Katib Hezbollah. And yes, uh Katib Hezbollah is a pro Iraqi militia which is allied with the government. They're fighting ISIS. So the connection they have with Iran is that they were trained by the Iranian Quds Force. And the Iranian Quds Force is basically like the Iranian Green Berets. So they go around the Middle East and they train Shiite militias. And they were, they, you know, they trained Hezbollah. They trained, they trained a lot of Shiite militias. And this is one of those groups that was trained by trained by the Kutz forces or has a relationship with the coups force like it would almost be like during the vietnam war south korean soldiers attacked like you know a russian embassy or something or
2: right.
1: something like that or like russia right. bombed a south korean i'm um, not excuse me not south korean south vietnamese um position or something like that um so that's where there but there's no direct war you know what i mean like there's not an act of war going on within iraq there's only civil unrest so that's where the complications really arise and um you know they're they're said to be in retaliation of the rocket fires two day or two days earlier at the iraqi naval base but the problems that you have right now is that if you're an Iraqi on the ground, you're going to see this response as disproportionate, um, as far as the casualties go. And obviously, it's a tragedy that somebody died over there. And you know, I would like to know what exactly what happened, right. but we don't exa- we don't know exactly what happened. Right. And I want to unpack that because that that's an important part. Um, you know,
0: when the rocket attacked on the K1 air uh, air, air Force Base. Um, happened last Friday, Uh, the Iraqi military and the Iraqi government was uh, said to have been conducting an investigation about it, like to find out who did it, what happened, you know, uh, and to like bolster up security, you know, which is the normal and natural response. Unfortunately, the Iraqi government is either woefully uh, inept or uh, complicit in it um, because nothing really came out of it. You know, one thing that you'll notice is that when you research um, that initial attack that sparked our our response, it, there's not like video of it, there's not like pictures, there's not, uh, you know, a whole lot of news stories happening around about it, you know, and, and nobody has taken responsibility for it, which is the curious part, right? So no, nobody actually uh, um, said, hey, we did it. Uh, now, I, I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that the attack didn't happen. I'm actually very certain that there was a rocket attack uh, in the K1 Air Force Base. Um, my point, though, is that there wasn't a whole lot of like overwhelming evidence that any one group had done it, and our response to that, which. You know, looking at it from our perspective, you know, we can't just allow people to rocket attack us, you know, un, unbeknownst to us. You know, we have to be able to defend ourselves.
1: Lay the hammer. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's
0: let's be real. America. You know, that, that, that is a very Fuck, natural yeah. response. It's a natural response to want to do something about it, especially because someone was killed. Right uh, now. I think this is where it gets fucked Terrorists, up. Like decision <laughs> days are
1: through, because now you have to answer through America. Fuck yeah, love that movie. <laughs> so kiss my balls and suck <laughs> on my ass, America. <laughs> that movie is very funny. Yeah, but I mean that's oh, kind of the darker, point, darker, though, right? It's like
0: okay, so somebody hit us, right, and then we decide okay, well we got to retaliate, uh, and so we blamed Iran. But like Iran's not in Iraq. Iran and Iraq are two separate countries, right? They don't have forces there, right? So we just hit someone that was probably Iran, according to our intelligence. It probably was is, Iran.
1: I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to like say Iran wasn't. Right. The, I mean, it's it was not heavily. This did. wasn't like a a militia that was heavily influenced by Iran. I mean, we just did an episode a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago on how much influence Iran had within Iraq. That's right. So, so, like, they have a yes, presence there. absolutely but, they are an influence. They're an Iranian proxy. However... Right. But they, it's
0: like they just kind of picked one, I feel like. I mean, maybe they had the intelligence for it. Uh, but my point, though, is if you're, like like you said, if you are an Iraqi citizen and you're on the ground and you get presented this evidence and you see, okay, on Friday there was a rocket attack on a U.S. soil. Nobody took responsibility for it. There are no videos. There's no, you know, whatever. One person died. And then a couple days later, uh, we carry out, um, you know, heavy airstrikes on, you know, Kataib Hezbollah who may or may not have done it. There's plenty of video, lots of people died, many more were injured, you know? So like you start thinking about it as an Iraqi on the ground and you're like, well, that's kind of fucked up. You know, it seems indiscriminate in a certain respect. It definitely seems disproportionate as you say, you know? So this is what sparked this, um, this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, this protest, this uh, aggression against the U.S. Embassy. It's this riot. Is it's riot it. within
1: the embassy. I think that's riot. probably the best way to describe it. Um, right,
0: riot, yeah. I'm
1: going to mute myself because there's a siren going on. You bet. Um, so
0: that's kind of what sparked this riot, and then you know, there's a lot of video of the riot. You know, it, it was heavily publicized. You know, there's film reporters, like, watching this shit uh, ha- take place. And one thing that I that I noticed that that was interesting about this that I that I want to like separate from the Benghazi situation because you're going to get a lot of these parallels being drawn and we're, we're certainly going to unpack that some more. But you know these folks, you know, from the video and from the pictures that we're seeing, weren't armed. You know, they certainly had uh, intent to riot and destroy some shit. Uh, they, they had um,
1: incendiary weapons
0: well I mean, the cocktails like alcohol so and it was a fucking, 100% you know, a dangerous you know,
1: lighter, situ- you know. they were it 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 was 100% a dangerous situation for the guys Certainly, there yeah it
0: wasn't a walk in the park you know this isn't like occupy wall street here you know this was definitely a riot uh but they weren't armed and and what i mean by armed specifically is you don't see them with guns they you know, weren't coming in them. and
1: they weren't it wasn't benghazi as in they didn't take out I, you know they they brutally murdered ambassador stevens and and in uh, yeah. Benghazi, they brutally murdered him,
2: right? And they, they raped the them, they killed him. So, so yeah.
1: nothing, nothing like that happened.
0: And nothing, and, and to be clear, nothing like that could have happened because they didn't have, they didn't bring guns, right? They weren't, they weren't intending to shoot the place up. They just wanted to cause a ruckus, you know, break some shit, throw some stones, light some fires send a message. And that's literally what you know. these people said that they were there for. They wanted to send a message to the United States, and they had demands. Among those demands, the forefront was that the United States get out, right? Uh, again, not sticking up for them. I don't think that this was justified at all, but uh, there's a big contextual—there's many big contextual differences between this situation here in Iraq and the NBC in Iraq, in Baghdad, and in Benghazi. Uh, and I definitely think we should probably unpack that because this is going to be the talking point that you're going to hear in the mainstream media and probably among, you know, your friends that aren't very. Um, this well-versed. is what you're going to hear
1: from your conservative right wing friends. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, who I just saw a ridiculous Facebook meme um, of <laughs> of because uh, I have a lot of right wing friends on Facebook and this ridiculous meme popped up it's like Michelle Obama her those kids aren't hers <laughs> like i was like what <laughs> i was like this is ridiculous but nobody on earth who has more than a brain cell left in their head would actually believe that obviously they know it's like a tr- a, a, a troll thing probably like a random generator thing but all right we digress so Um, I guess the major differences between the Benghazi and the Baghdad thing is that, I mean, both the events, they were around the same time as far as when the backup came. Uh, the meme that you're kind of seeing right now is that, you know, Trump, uh, it took, it took Clinton, took Hillary Clinton. And I hate, um, I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton, by the way, this is the first time that you're listening right now. Um, and I think there's a lot of fucked up things that went on in Benghazi. However, um, this is just like the reality of the situation. Uh, so right, like I Clinton, saw the
0: one meme that said, you know, Hillary, yeah. it took Hillary Clinton 13 hours to get Marines over there. It took Trump 13 minutes. And I'm like, hmm, really, though? <laughs> so let's let's unpack that, because I think that's, you know, that those timelines don't make sense. So uh, from, I believe from the
1: a, so the insight that I heard um, was that both events occurred. In twelve hours before any both both events occurred, twelve hours before military back military backup came. Right. So the timelines are pretty similar. Now it's the, the mm-hmm. reason why is because Baghdad is ten is is much more fortified than Benghazi. It's it's a larger embassy. Yeah, this compound is 100 a hundred acres. It's a yeah.
0: hundred acres large. It's massive, big walls, really
1: heavily fortified. Uh yeah, Benghazi was not an embassy it was a, it was a smaller consulate, right, so n- not heavily fortified as this one was the, the the military that Trump ordered to come into the Middle East they weren't there to come save the people at the embassy um they're it's It's not their mandate to protect state department facilities or or really protect civilian facilities. They, those guys. I think they are going over to Kuwait, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And those Marines that did come are special purpose Marines, so they're they're meant to to protect embassies that are under extra threat. Right. So
0: they're a threat response force, basically. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't like Trump. Oh, well, send in my Trump. Specialized Neil Seal team that that Obama (laughs) was too pussy to use. (laughs) Right, I mean these people were already there to. (laughs) That's
0: that's that is what it comes down to when you look at the memes, you know.
1: (laughs) Obama was too pussy to use this one. (laughs) He was too pussy to call um, Rambo.
0: But that's not what happened. It was a hundred Marines who are special purpose. You Only know.
1: Trump will call John Cena to save the day. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> um, but that's not exactly what happened. And I'm not even trying to like say this as a hit on Trump. I'm just trying to like clear up. We're, we're trying to clear up the situation right there because there's a lot. Right. Of, there's a lot of bullshit going on of, right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit, and obviously most of the bullshit is just all it's all partisan, right. either right wing or left wing partisan stuff. And we cut try to cut through the bullshit there. Um, but yeah, it was like a it's, a, it's an entirely different situation. Um, I will say, I will add that I think the, the Marines did a great job because definitely no one got hurt. They didn't kill anyone, which is great because if there was a death, if they killed one of those, pro, uh, those, those rioters. And obviously you're going to riot on an embassy. You're taking your life into, into God's hands right there. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I thought that while watching that would definitely watching those guys escalate
1: the situation, if you saw though.
0: those, did you see those videos of like the guys and they basically made like a makeshift battering ram and they're like hitting the door, hitting the door, and the door is very well constructed. Like you'd need a bomb or some shit like that to to take this thing off. But uh, the the thing that I was thinking to myself was like, there's nobody there with guns, and on the other side of it, you can see through the windows. On the other side is like I don't know, ten marines or something like that that were stationed there in the first place. Uh, with plenty of guns, my thought was just like, all right, so what if you got through the door? Now what? You're literally going to die. Like, they had no means of protecting themselves. Those those battering rams, those Molotov cocktails, that, that wasn't going to save them. You know, so they... Again, I, I don't condone these actions, but, like, the intentions here are completely different, in my opinion, from... The attack on Benghazi the intentions on the attack in Benghazi like they' were out for blood like they wanted to kill people and they came armed
1: to the teeth to do so. It was a completely different situation and there was violence there is violence there was a lot of civil unrest and there was warnings that that was going to happen in the first place now the scandal right. with Benghazi is that the Obama administration they lied and said that riot was over some film that made fun of Muhammad. You know, I'm just going to keep the sirens in, because, you know, we're talking about riots right now, so why not just have the ambience, and we're recording a little bit earlier than usual, so the sirens are a little bit more crazy. Um, But yeah, so, it's like, evacuation, (laughs) come, come, evacuation, come. You know, what's funny is that I actually think that these
0: sirens are uncharacteristic of what happened in the embassy, because you know there was all the the iraqi military and the iraqi government were almost powerless to, to like prevent this or disperse the crowds they it took them a long fucking time to get their forces in there i think they just got there today like a couple hours ago uh which is nuts um and you know it just kind of shows how inept they are and and or complicit you know it might Totally, just be that they were like all right whatever because one thing that was really interesting about this is that you know there are several checkpoints leading up to the embassy that you have to cross and and these folks were able to just walk literally walk straight through the checkpoints unimpeded completely unimpeded so again if their intent was they wanted blood and they wanted to kill people and they came armed to the teeth it would have been a much much different situation i think than than what we saw not underscoring what happened, you know, the destruction that they caused, you know, uh, and the scare that they gave was definitely worth noting. Um, thankfully, no one got hurt. But, you know, again, it, the the Iraqi military is completely inept to to stop this from happening, uh, which does raise a couple of eyebrows and, and you know, really makes it think uh, about, you know, whether or not it makes sense to keep, you know, uh, an embassy there or whether it m- makes sense to keep any presence whatsoever there. Uh, because if they really wanted to throw down and they really were out for blood, it would have been it would have been kind of crazy.
1: Well, do you know why the Iranians went after the embassy? during any Iranian revolution? You know, I I don't enlighten me. Because it was a CIA headquarters for all the CIA's Eastern operations, hmm. so they were looking for evidence that the CIA overthrew Mossadegh. In the fifties, which we they found, <laughs> which they found, because during the Iranian Revolution, so they stormed the embassy, they took hostages, and this, the CIA officers there, they started uh, shredding. They, you know, they had these shredders, and they started throwing all these documents and all these all these files, all the proof of a lot of the illegal activity or all the shady stuff that they were doing. So they were just they were uh, shredding all that information. And then the 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 Iranian protesters, the student protesters, they went to some local elementary schools and they took all the shavings of the of uh, what was put in the shredder. And they were like, hey, kids, you like puzzles? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times embassies are used to spy on other countries. That's the point I'm trying to make.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, it's it's literally like sanctioned spying. That's what yeah, it's are. basically sanctioned spying. So, I mean, why the, the the concept of an embassy is a little outdated when you think of because we're very very connected in today's world. So,
0: right, like I mean, That's just the purpose of them. an embassy. <laughs> we <could> just <laughs> like, send them an email
1: or some shit, you know. The you know, the embassy in in, in Syria state department facilities were procuring weapons to give the Syrian rebels in in and um in Syria. Um they it's these embassies are not, like, they're to, are on good faith missions. They're there to spy. So, well, it's not... Right, let's give a little bit
0: more credit to, like, you know, embassies around the world. They they do de-escalate a lot of shit. And when used properly, I think that they can be a force for good. But the point is that there's always the opportunity to spy <laughs> when you have something like this. So, you know, it's it's never an untainted effort but I, I don't i don't want to you know throw too much mud at, at diplomacy i think I, I think having diplomats is a good idea i think I having just think diplo- it needs to be over, diplomacy over, well is
1: not launching rockets and killing killing citizens of of a country on their soil that was that diplomacy is is, is holding is holding is holding restraint but you see Mm -hmm. when you occupy another country and you have forces there all those rules go out the window anything can happen because the soldiers that are there even if it's not in time of 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 a hot war then they're still always in danger especially in in a place like the middle east especially iraq that has just gone through three different civil wars in the past i mean four major wars in the past 40 years really when you think about it It, it, it's you don't it's a dangerous place to be now um what was the point i was going to make so i I think the most important thing to to really take note though is um yeah like who the u.s killed they were trained by the kuts force they definitely had iranian connections and the intercept just had this big piece that they released a couple a couple of weeks ago that really just highlighted the Iranian influence within Iraq. All that happened after Iraq war in 2003. Right. When the neoconservatives, when George Bush, Cheney and the rest of the neoconservative gang when they invaded Iraq, they handed over Iraq, which is a majority Shia country to the Iranians, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, who would have thought Iran's allies ended up getting into power in Iraq, when especially it was Iraqi exiles within who are living in Iran, who were, you know, trying to spearhead a regime change within Iraq, so which are now really... You know, I think it's it's a pretty safe speculation that those Iraqi agents like Chabali were definitely double agents for Iran. So, you know, the U.S. handed over Iran on a silver platter. I'm um, still handed Iraq over to Iran on a silver platter, platter. Because all these exiles that were removed during the Iran during the Iraq-Iran war in the 1980s, who fled to who fled to Iran because Saddam Hussein was like all right like all these these uh influential shiites i got to get them out of here because they're going to be more loyal to a shiite uh, they're the ones who ended up taking power the daba party the supreme council for the islamic revolution in iraq ended up getting into power so now we're playing now we're the, the united states is trying to reverse the outcome of the iraq war and it's kind of poorly, if you ask it, me, it's, it's kind of poorly, if you ask me. And it, what's really funny is that you actually have a majority Shiite population protesting the Iranian embassy as well. You have Mahdi, who is a right. Shiite chauvinist who is resigning from power.
0: Right.
1: You you, you tend to think that that's the, the direction that you would want the country to go in if you're trying to remove Iranian influence within the country. So why don't you keep a low profile? You don't launch any missiles within the country and you right. kind of let the problem take care of itself. Right. Because. You know, as much as I don't want intervention, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Iran's a good is is a is a enlightened government. I I mean, they're they're a pretty terrible government. They're pretty shitty themselves. They're they're a bully state themselves. Um, Basically,
0: don't don't give the Iraqi people any reason
1: to side (laughs) with them for any reason. You know, Uh, like. But it's, I think that you really have to look back at history and say, all right, how did I. how did we get here in the first place? These Iranians gained influence because of our military escapades. And now we're just making that more likely to happen.
0: All right. So maybe we can just like put a, uh, a nail in the Benghazi uh, uh, connection uh, in the coffin there. And then uh, we can kind of move on and talk about more, more broadly. So, You know, what do you got to say about this connection
1: with uh, Benghazi? There's there's uh, not a connection with Benghazi. (laughs) That's like, that's pretty simple. There's not really, there's not too many similarities with, between Benghazi at all. So that, that's my, that's my connection. Like, that's it. There's (laughs) not too much that's similar about Benghazi. Like Trump didn't do something miraculous. He didn't push some button in the oval. He didn't get the football and press some magic button that had the super squad of of uh, marines go and save the day that's not what happened it's just that's it, it just died down on its own and uh, a lot of that stuff that you see is is, is bullshit uh, that's that's the nail in the coffin cool so you know with
0: that you know, maybe we can c- kind of talk a little bit about you know war in general and like how that pans out for you know the 2020 election and I know that's something that you wanted to talk about and kind of give some historical context to because you know, it seems like a lot of these you know decisions that we're making in the Middle East um, specifically in Iraq, uh, sometimes in Syria, things like that but posturing against Iran in general uh, has us at least to the mainstream media on a collision course for war. so let's let's play along for a minute. Uh, with that narrative and and say, you know, we do get into a conflict. Now, barring, you know, talking about how ridiculously brutal that war would be, what do you think, you know, the situation would be on the, you know, on the home front here domestically, uh, you know, if some kind of war or, you know, escalation, some kind of conflict happens, you know, in the Middle East, specifically against Iran, what would...
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds—personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. How do you so, think that
1: plays out? So foreign policy will can always be an important issue if it's a disastrous foreign policy when it comes to an election. Now – Sometimes you see some big shifts. Now, if you just go back within history over the past 70 years, the Korean War uh, largely contributed to Harry Truman's defeat in the New Hampshire primary and and his ultimate decision not to run in 1952. Um, Lyndon Johnson saw his party shattered. After the Tet Offensive in 1968 in the Vietnam War, when that war ended up going poorly, um, mm. Jimmy Carter's response to the seizure of U.S. hostages in Iran consumes his presidency and the, the, consumed the last year of his presidency and really was one of the factors that led to Ronald Reagan being elected. So foreign policy issues are definitely important when it comes to a presidential election, especially ones that are seen as obviously kind of stupid now. This is Jenga by all accords. Now, Trump is playing a very unsafe game. All he has to do, I mean, I'm not going to say all he has to do, but getting into a unpopular war in the Middle East, because the American public does not want this. The American public does not want to send more soldiers into into Iraq or Iran or they don't want to go to war anywhere. There's a small kind of fringe base that wants to do it. And it's not it's not the average American um, right wing or left wing. They, they may want to posture against Russia and virtue signal it sometimes, but no one wants to have those these influx of stories of of a truck full of soldiers dying in the desert in, in Iraq or or in the mountains of Iran or in the Strait of Hormuz. No one wants to see that. Everyone rather see a lot more videos of soldiers being greeted by their dogs and their family coming back home. Now, this is this is Jenga. He's taking out pieces and, and let it be that he has already had a very unstable. He walked into an unstable Middle Eastern policy. Every president really walked into an unstable Middle Eastern policy. That's definitely heightened since 2003 when George W. Bush decided to destroy the society in Iraq, which filtered and which 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 uh Tailed off into Syria, um, but if there's an escalation in this war, it could be bad. He's only going to be now, but he's also in a difficult situation because his base that's supporting him that that kind of like conservative ink type base that's um, it's all about that the type of guys or type of people who are really excited when John Bolton became national <laughs> security advisor. Yeah, that type of base. And how he's, like, suddenly becoming the hero
0: in this whole situation, trying to, like, calm shit down.
1: You notice that? And, of course. It's so weird. The Israeli lobby, <laughs> the Israeli influence, um, they're not—they they want there to be a constant level of kind of low-intensity warfare. And you can even argue a full-out war there. Um, But if this war escalates, it's going to be a lot worse than any war that we fought there just look at the terrain in iran if that war was if a war would dispel in iran just look at the mountainous terrain there it's 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 much bigger than iraq and anyone stationed within iraq would be in complete danger as well just because as we see there's shiite militias that are willing to be incredibly hostile to american soldiers if that moment came to be so i think that you're only anything less I mean, I'm not advocating this at all, but I was I remember listening to a a talk show host named Michael Savage before. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know Michael Savage, but Michael Savage, he was suggesting that the United States just carpet bomb the entire Middle East and just say, "Okay, let's just (laughs) go because they're all Muslims. That was a suggestion. And that is not that that is less fringe than you think to be completely honest to do something like that, just carpet bomb the rest of the Middle East. Um, Any react, any type of military action that takes place there is going to cause a direct response and it's going to cycle into a full scale war there. It's, it's impossible. There's, there's already too much shit that's gone down to prevent that. I don't think the U S can do anything to prevent a school. Uh, If, if people start shooting at each other, it's done that there's, there's going to be war now. Trump, I sincerely think, thinks he doesn't want to get into a war. He campaigned on not getting out of these stupid wars in the Middle East. And I sincerely think he doesn't want to get into a costly war where there's a lot of dead, a lot of casualties. Because if there's a war with Iran, it's going to be over 10,000 dead American soldiers. Um, He doesn't want that. But I think he's he's utterly without I mean, context.
0: I I believe you that he doesn't want that for, like, political reasons and also just for human reasons. Like, you know, I, as much as I don't like Trump, I I totally don't think that he's, you know, an idiot and, you know, uh, an evil person. In, in that respect, I, I definitely agree that he he definitely doesn't want to get into a war. But at the same time, he has, like, this Jekyll and Hyde situation on Twitter, right? Because recently he he uh, – uh, on the 31st, he tweeted – a million things about this whole situation. But the one that stuck out to me was, and I'm going to quote him, Iran will be held fully responsible for lives, loss or damage incurred at any of our facilities. They will pay a very big price. All caps. This is not a warning. It is a threat. Happy new year. So like, like I get you, dude, it would be terrible if something happened. And do I believe that he wants to get into a war? No. But he tends to say and do dumb shit, and I'm worried that, you know, at a certain juncture, the dumb shit that he and his administration does, on and offline, to be clear, will just escalate into something that that turns into a
1: conflict. And I feel like we keep getting closer and closer to that, you know? No one ever told him. I don't think anyone sat down and gave him a real explanation or if someone did give him a, a real explanation of what actually happened, why Iran has so much influence within that region. Um, he forgot all of it or he didn't really listen to it. He, he kind of checked out during that class. Um, I think it's important also to note that the U.S. funded these Shiite militias during the Iraq War to go after Sunni insurgencies. The Sunni insurgents during the Iraq War, the, that those were the— the largest killers of American soldiers. And by tilting the balance of power into the hand of the Shiites, that meant tilting the tilting the power out of our allies, the Saudis and Israelis. So even King Fahd was upset with that. I think King Fahd doesn't want a full-out war there. I mean, not King Fahd. He's dead. Um, I don't think Saudi Arabia wants to go into a full-out war right now because they're vulnerable. Saudi Arabia, if you're looking at Saudi Arabia right now, they they understand their vulnerability. I think Mohammed bin Salman has kind of been checked over the past two years with his scandal with Jamal Khashoggi and disastrous war in Yemen. I I think he's finally coming back down to reality and understands that— Hey, um, there has been Saudi kings that have been killed before, assassinated before. Uh, maybe that can happen to me, or he can be. There could be some type of coup with with religious fanatics or what. But I think that they are even. They even want to calm down on this because I, I I honestly still think that if you want to say Iran hit that oil processing facility or if the Houthis hit that oil processing facility, either way, they're still really vulnerable. Um, so somebody hit it, somebody, right? somebody hit that, and they weren't friends, the Saudis and they are mm-hmm. most likely Shiite. So I think that they, I think they understand that this needs to calm down. Um, Qatar has normal relationships with Iran. Turkey has kind of normal relationships with Iran. Uh, they're not completely normal, but you know, they talk and they're, they're not, they're not like, fighting each other. <laughs> they're not like the U S who's constantly condemning them, even though Turkey and Iran may be on the, on the, on different sides in some areas, like. Syria. <laughs> for, for example, they're on different sides in Syria, right. but they're on the same side in, in Libya right now. Right. Because they both have sympathies to Muslim Brotherhood organizations. Now, it's it's kind of, it's an interesting dynamic, but some countries are allied with, I mean, let's look at the U.S. foreign policy within Iraq and Syria. Uh, I mean, as of today, the U.S. was allied with these Shiite militias when they were fighting ISIS in Iraq, and they were enemies with them in, in Syria. So you know countries are typically in this day of age and probably throughout all of history you know countries ally with different forces or countries because of of you know their national interest rather than some blind loyalty to them um and i think the US, I, I think trump needs to I mean, there's no change in him at this point. He's not going to change his mind on what he does. Like the guy's too old, and he's too stuck in his way, and he's obviously pretty stubborn. I, I think what you're going to see over the next year or so is that you're going to see this this kind of just go in waves. So, remember when the, the Iranians knocked out that drone, and mm-hmm. Trump called off an airstrike at the last in the last ten minutes. And he's but like, not
0: before ranting on Twitter about how yeah, he's like, something oh, I, about I it. spared right.
1: their lives." It was right. too much to cause a war over that. And apparently, there's been some leaks of him talking, like, kind of venting and saying, like, "There's people who really want me to go to war, and it's sick." Um, so I think I mean, he's in a for that. he's Maybe in a, politi- he's, right in a poli- he's in a kind of a political level because you know he he was uh, really backed by a lot of like. Hardcore Zionist elements like Sheldon Edel- Edelson. and um, he, they, he, he, he wants to. I just look at with him and, and Benjamin Netanyahu. Like there, there's no difference between the Likud party and the Republican Party in the United States at this point. Like you don't, you don't know where one ends and the other begins. Uh, they, they, he tries to appease them um, while taking that to the limits without going to war and eventually i i mean maybe it won't maybe it will just be a lot of low-level escalations like this where there's like an almost there's almost kind of like that event can spark off a war like there's that there's almost that that assassination and and um there's always there's there's almost that uh, archduke Ferdinand moment i was just gonna uh,
0: say that man i feel like there's uh, the fucked up part is that i feel like that there are people who are waiting for that archduke Ferdinand moment to just go to war. Like like you said, there were people the whispering gaver, in Trump's ear during that drone downing, you know, when I ran down downed one of our drones. There's people whispering in his ear, like, Yo, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta do it now. You know, and every instant that we have like these just keeps putting us closer and closer. It's parabolic, right? You know, like will we ever get there? I'm not certain, and I certainly hope not,
1: but I don't know. He you
2: need know, to shut
0: the f- somebody needs to well, just take
1: his Twitter away. <sighs> I know. Well <laughs> like, we people have been saying that for a very long time now. Do you know what's the really ironic thing about Gavrilo Princep and, and that assassination is that, you know, he they missed him at first. He he got away. And they they missed the Archduke and he the, the, he accidentally met him on another street that was that he wasn't planning on going. Um they they like pushed back the the, the car that he was in and he got his second chance and took him out then, but like yeah you know, they thought they missed him and then he, he he did get him. who knows if there was another there it was really bad there in the Balkans regions and within Ser, with, with Serbian nationalism and mm-hmm. all the shit that was going on within the austro hungarian Empire and all that um there was a lot of animosity there and in that time that time bomb was gonna go off anyway uh, I mean who knows if that time bomb went off anyway because a lot of that war had to do with a lot the rivalries between germany and and britain right but <clears throat> I mean, when does that moment come? Hopefully it doesn't come, um, but I, it, it could It could come. Like, all right, for example, there was a really big moment that went really underreported last year, and it was around the, when we started doing this podcast when um, General Miller in Afghanistan almost got assassinated and they killed General Razak, who was an yeah, Afghan remember police that, chief. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, yeah. If the Taliban killed... A, I mean, we're still there and we're still at war in Afghanistan. However, I, I would imagine if they killed the U.S. Five, the U.S. four-star general, well, damn, there would have been an escalation there, right? Like I, only I can imagine <laughs> yeah. if there would be an escalation within Afghanistan if there was a guy if there was a general who was shot down. I mean, a general in the Afghan forces was 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 knocked out, but, um, I mean that that he almost got he almost got whacked over there, so. I don't know. You never you never know when that moment comes. And I think you got to hope that it doesn't come. But I I still kind of I'm still pretty hopeful that and I I think that it's not going to escalate into a full blown war. Um, I'm saying that out of optimism. However, you never really know what's going to happen if some freak thing can happen. Yeah, Um, because when there's guns involved and there's pissed off people and when a country is really poor, and when there is these this kind of low level type violence that's been going on eventually it can just get way out of hand and hey there's Iraq has its own problems right now i it like we're we're completely missing the point that there was a protest there there was an anti-iran protest. protest in Iraq yeah. only a couple of weeks ago that's still ongoing in right. where Iraq where Iraqis have been being kind of shot on the street like they're dogs. Right. Like, and there's been anti-Iraqi government protests going on. Yeah. anti-Iraq side of it. <laughs> it's, it's, don't you think that you're going to reverse that sentiment if that, if that is happening? Because if there if by all means, I think that that a lot of people are like, oh, CIA's in there getting that thing in place. Oh, CIA ops. Oh, I'll pay it off. Like, you know. You know how people are. I don't think. I think that was, by all intents and purposes, pretty organic. When you look at how terrible Iraq's economy is, it's something like. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it has one of the lowest unemployment rates for adults. Um, it, it's 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 terrible right now And Iraq. At one time, the Iraqis who are you know who are young adults right now probably never don't know this time because they pro- they've only lived in horror right. for their entire lives. Right. But there was one time when Iraq was like, you know, it was okay. like there was a high literacy rate Um, within Baghdad. There was a high level of marriages between um, Iraqi Sunnis and Iraqi Shiites. And when there is a big diversity, when there is a lot of intermarriages, that's usually a sign that a society is is. uh, is not sick or at least not isolated among each other there. There's not as much identity identity politics based off either a sectarian or ethnic division that is, that is, that is like within the society. Um, but that all exploded once, once the U S decided to, to kind of pull the pin off the grenade. So, um, I mean, I know I'm kind of going on a crazy rant right now. Um, I'm but you, I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it won't escalate. That this is just going to be a big game of chicken, and it's just the latest episode. Right. But I mean, there's always that chance where a game of chicken can turn into a full-on collision.
0: Right. All right. Well, um, let's let's talk about something else then. I, uh, something else huge happened in the news, and that was the OPCW leaks. And you know, frankly, this is yeah. uh, this is your area of expertise. So I'm I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about it, um, and kind of learn a little bit. Right here on this show. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, you know, over the years, there have been uh, a couple of major uh, chemical gas attacks in Syria during the Syrian revolution, Syrian uh, civil war. Uh, And a lot of them, if not all of them, uh, have been called into question uh, about whether or not, you know, Assad had been gassing his people whether it was like a false flag, uh, whether it was, you know, the United States or whether it was moderate rebels or just straight up terrorists that were doing it. There were many such uh, instances where, you know, a whole lot of the evidence wasn't there. And and not too long ago, uh, you know, this organization, uh, uh, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, OPCW, uh, you know, we finally got, you know, a look at their full report uh, and it doesn't look very good uh, for what's going on. So, Henry, what, what the hell's going on
1: here? All right, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna make this extremely simple because it's a lot of science stuff in it, and obviously, I'm not good at explaining science. But I think people get confused when talking about the Syrian gas attacks because there is multiple major attacks that happen within the since the, the beginning of the Syrian war. And I don't think people really know which one these leaks are about. So I want to break that down first. So there was a war. There was there was many gas. There was there were many gas attacks throughout the entire Syrian war. Um, Now, the major ones that everyone's team uh, talks about are the Ghouta chemical attack that took place in 2013. That was the one that instigated U.S. or at least Obama going over. Was that the red line? The red line. That was the red line. And then there was the uh shikun con- ch- chemical attacks that happened back in two thousand and seventeen when Trump was first elected, and that was when Trump was being called presidential for sending missiles over into into well, the a Syria facility
0: you know uh patriot missiles or whatever hundred and fifty k a piece yeah, I remember and
1: that. now in the last attack that that took place that was up in the air was the Duma chemical attack, which is the right. one that is being um whistle Right now, so in a nutshell, when the did final, that happen? Sorry, you didn't this, mention the, these leaks have been coming out over the past two months or so. That the OPC well, let me take this back. Well, these the leaks attack, have, When did that happen? It happened in April of 2018.
2: Okay, so very so, recently.
1: So it happened very recently. So these these attacks, there have been leaks coming out, and there have been accredited scientists like Ted Postel from MIT who have de- been debating the evidence that has been brought out by the OPCW almost for about six or seven months now from when the attack in- initially took place. So this was actually something that has been ongoing. But now there have been leaks. Um, There have been leaks from whistleblowers within the OPCW, the, the organization that's meant to investigate these claims, that, The alleged chemical attack by the Syrian government in Duba um, was certain certain, uh, parts of the report were doctored or even removed from the evidence. And all the evidence that was removed was stuff that could be seen as vindicating the Syrian Arab army of carrying out those attacks. So who now, doctored it though? Was it the OPCW that doctored it or was so it somebody there, were, else? there was, the guy's name is Sebastian, Sebastian. I can't think of his name right now. It just escaped me, but um, there has been emails that have been released on WikiLeaks of him asking specifically for these, for these um, specific pages to be removed. And who's um, the
0: Sebastian guy? Like wh- where is his affiliation lie? Who is he he?
1: works for he works for the OPCW. Okay. Now he now this is already in addition to a lot of claims from scientists, from uh, from rocket scientists, and I'm not saying that to be like, oh, it's a rocket scientist, some from it's like, um, literal, rocket like scientists. literal rocket scientists who who study this stuff, um, that their the evidence was debatable. Um, what they're getting at is that the claims from the eyewitnesses who were Syrian rebels say that the canisters of gas were dropped from the air, and the only people who would have been able to do that were um, the Syrian Air Force. What some people seem to think is that the canisters were placed there, and that it would have been impossible for those canisters to be dropped where they were. And there's no visual evidence that shows that these canisters were dropped. So it's kind of just like a witness, like a you're just taking a, a testimony from somebody who is anti-Assad and who has something against the government in the first place. So it's kind of a biased take. Um, and whistleblowers have been coming out and saying that the OPCW has been doing a lot of foul play and manipulating the play and manipulating the reports that have been used to justify the military reactions from Donald Trump. Yeah, I was just going to
0: ask. I mean, why would why would they want to doctor this thing?
1: It's I mean, who knows? Just they want to fit a certain State Department narrative. They want to they want to fit a certain narrative that they know that other that the U.S. State Department wants that certain entities want to justify a continued either low level escalation there or low level, low level fight there. Um, But I don't think that they want anything to. Um, Vindicate Assad on any of those Gas attacks because I mean frankly It's been US foreign policy across Republicans and Democrats to fund a lot Of these rebels who um, Were you know a lot of them were bad And um, It's embarrassing for the State Department And there's obviously you know there's foreign Influence as well and I don't want to beat the I don't want to beat the dead horse anymore but um, It's It's uh, It's a lot of a lot of factors That these these people who adopter this evidence um, um, are complying complying with, and and also there's the risk there's the risk there's there's all right. So let's just be completely real. Being called an Assad apologist is a smear. Um, saying anything because uh, Syria is a is a enemy of the United States. Um, so no one wants to be seen as taking the side of Assad, who's still in power. Um, who's you know a bona fide monster as far as the mainstream media is concerned, and it's no one wants to go in that narrative and say there 's something that 's fishy, especially a guy who 's probably not that political in the first place and doesn 't want to get dragged into you know uh, people who are working for the o p c w if they 're if they're in a the science field if they 're not political in the first place they don 't want to get dragged into kind of like you know a smear campaign or have their career ruined so i mean that 's really what I imagine um I imagined what happened is that, you know, the, the, a lot of the people within the investigation, um, they kind of wanted to have an outcome happen because they didn't want their careers to be tarnished with coming with a bad outcome.
0: Right. Well, so I, I had to look it up because I was just so confused about this because, you know, I'm trying to get into like the, why, why something like this might've been, you know, doctored and So I looked it up evidently OPCW is, um, you know, was started on the, uh, uh, in 1997, uh, it's um, it's the implementing body for the chemical weapons convention. It's um, Headquartered in in the hog in the Netherlands uh, David it hog has, <laughs> It has hundred and ninety three member states, uh, so You know at first I was thinking about it like oh this OPCW is like in you know a United States organization or something like that um, But this makes it a little bit um, a little bit complicated, you know? It definitely does. 193 member states, you know? Like, I could see if this was some State Department shit, you know? But I guess this that's like just the open question. Sebastian really Braha,
1: B-R-A-H-A, Braha is the uh-huh. person who was on the uh who ordered that documents be removed from the engineering assessment mm-hmm. um that I'm reading off my friend Dave DeCamps report on this who writes for antiwar.com I would definitely check out his stuff um he's been doing great work on it um the the allegation was that these cylinders were dropped out of a Syrian government aircraft and were the source of the chlorine gas but this engineering assessment points out different possibilities I'll leave this article in the in the description below. But Peter Hitchens was actually writing about this about a month prior to it. Um, Basically, he he came you know he had the scoop that a I think that this OPCW official was named Voldemort. (laughs) Like his nickname was Voldemort. Ordered that he ordered a subordinate saying. Please get this document out of the DRA and please remove all traces of any of its delivery storage or whatever in DRA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Voldemort. Voldemort is behind this. <laughs> fucking Voldemort. Do you want your answer right now? He who name be, shall the, not be spoken. That's what that's. Hey, Alex Jones was fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's it, you know what it is it's the, it's the wizards you know Voldemort it's the dark Lord
0: Voldemort you know
1: vampire vampire uh, you know Voldemort pedophiles are you know he's getting a, up together he's assembling all of his
0: Horcruxes in serious so yeah. and go back and you, you uh, see
1: the way it, the way it works is that there's a Horcrux in uh, you know seven different places all you know ones in Mecca uh, you know so, so, <laughs> so we got to destroy that city <laughs> um, so. Yeah, it's very, I'll just leave it at this, it's very fishy, but Mm -hmm. I'll look at this and I would ask people to look at at this, look at the OPCW doctoring reports, the allegations in the context of the Iraq war. So just always remember that the Iraq war, the 2003 US invasion of Iraq, the White House officials used dubious intelligence to publicly make accusations that Iraq had nuclear weapons, a weapons program. Right. The Iraq war was a total war by deception. So this isn't the first time this has ever happened. And one of the primary accusations was that Iraq secretly tried to purchase 500 tons of yellow cake uranium from Niger to refine and produce nuclear weapons. And the evidence that was used that went around the State Department and that was in a speech by George W. Bush... The evidence I was used—they were forged documents by defunct Nigerian leaders. So imagine if I said that I bought something from, um, you know, your company or something. You know, if I bought this, I bought this from Disney, and then the guy who signed the procurement slip and was signed by Michael Eisner, you know, the formal the former uh, CEO. Right. So um, he's signed by Walt himself. You know. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm signed by Walt. Mike Eisner's not the CEO anymore, right? Am I? completely wrong know. about that i don't follow Disney no, all right that. correct me if i'm wrong but if walt, walt disney's a better example so um yeah it i mean that just look at it within the context that a lot of people are um a lot of this stuff is is uh pretty pretty shaky and what involves getting us into prolonged war military conflicts i i would always question a lot of the mainstream narrative especially especially when we've seen in the past that there's been some shady stuff going on, and no one really comes out and talks about it until it's politically popular to do it. You know, people weren't talking about this during the war because they didn't want to be caught, called unpatriotic in 2003. Now people are, you know, you, it's open, it's open season on George W. Bush. Um, there it has been open season on George W. Bush until Trump was elected. Now there's like an attempt of people trying to sanitize his presidency for some bizarre reason. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, dude. So, like, what, what do you think? <laughs> they, what do you think the
0: chances are that, like, all right, the OPCW doctored some evidence on this one thing? You know, at the it's that they removed
1: of... they they removed evidence. I, right. I think is the main thing is that they removed evidence that they didn't like that could that could go against the American narrative. You know, and, and all right, so you know that that attack in
2: 2018.
1: Mm-hmm. It, that's the cruise missiles that were shot over into Syria because the U.S. isn't going to be flying aircraft over there because the Syrians have, um, they have very good anti-aircraft, um, including, I don't think they had S-300s at the time in 2018. I think those S-300s came in closer to the end of 2019, in actually. Case, the Russians were over there but and they, they had were, aircraft, so. Well, it wasn't just the Russians that were over there. They had, uh, they had other good, anti-aircraft um, enough where it would be dangerous for a pilot to go fly over Syria and and take out a facility so they had to shoot them out with with uh, cruise missiles and it, it costs a lot of money to shoot cruise missiles you know it, I, it, a pop. yeah like it, it costs a lot of money to shoot down those cruise missiles so I think it could be seen as a way to um, further bankrupt or further kind of put Syria in an economic hole um, however again you know what we're doing in those countries. If the ultimate goal is to is to fight Iran, is to is to make sure that Iran doesn't get any more influence within the Middle East. Man, come on! You're making Syria dependent on Iran, and then you're then you're taking an organic revolution or an organic movement that does that wants Iranian influence to to stop within the country, and you're you're kind of twisting that on its head. You're making the country a a a place that's safer you know not a place that's safer iran i definitely wouldn't use that word but you're giving them more influence on a silver on a silver platter at the end of the day and now you're seeing that japan recently met with iran uh rohani was in japan right eastern eastern asian countries want they don't want there to be conflict there because they're the ones who are purchasing the 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 the, the fossil fuels from that region so the whole world doesn't want this war to really be, or this war to escalate anymore. They, they're they kind of tired of it. And I think what you could really see, the big consequence, I think here's what I think the big consequence is, is that other countries, they, they really start forming together, and they start exchanging oils uh, outside of the dollar, which already happens, by the way, but that oil won't be traded via U.S. currency. Right. So, um, I mean, current, the sanctions... They only really empower the people who are within the government, at least at a time when you're when you're putting the sanctions on place. Sanctions will are empowering the Ayatollah in Iran. They're I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief
0: for the New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan Yeah, and I was just going to say, clear people, up like, I how mean, it's empowering them, because that, that sounds counterintuitive.
1: They're empowering them because, yeah, sanctions are, are terrible. You can blame the sanctions on them, but at the end of the day, it's not the the regime that's putting the sanctions in place. It's a foreign power. Mm-hmm. And a people are patriots at the end of the day. They're going to fight for their country than, in, rather than invite a foreign country into or, or um, adhere to a client state. So um, you know Iran is, is a patriotic country. They're not going to look at sanctions in a positive light for, for, at least from the country that is putting them on putting them on. And uh, I think that's why you don't see you know a green revolution type thing where there are people who are like, okay, like this government actually really sucks we should maybe change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge proponent of getting people just on video games or getting them on football or it's any sport, anything that connect other can connect societies together via culture. I think that's the number one you. way for diplomacy is to either through sports through, we should just fight all of our wars through call of duty. <laughs> yeah. Through <laughs> call of duty. I mean, one of the, one of the most you know, famous stories in World War One was the Christmas truce where guys out of the German trenches and British trenches, they got out and they're like, fuck this. And they started playing soccer with each other. In no football, man's land. Or football in no man's land. And, you know, they they talked and they exchanged gifts. And it was like a day of 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 peace. And I, I think things like that, just exchanges of culture and um, just so other people are humanized. Like imagine the impact that it would have if Americans were playing Iranians in fucking Fortnite or whatever, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it, it, <laughs> doing their stupid
1: dances and shit. Yeah. Doing their stupid I'm flossing,
0: dances. Bro. I'm flossing.
1: Imagine, imagine the connection of you could do business with people from Iran. Yes. Yeah. If, if you have a business deal, like if you invented something on a website that makes the website more powerful or, or really whatever you're thinking, you, you think of a better type of, uh, Audio player. Let's just think in the realm of podcast. And um, an Iranian media company buys that audio player. Like I think that's okay. But like those aren't conflict. You're not exchanging weapons right here. It's <laughs> an Iran Contra. This is you're exchanging just voluntary services that are not meant to be harmful for other to other people. So exchange, exchange goods, trade, and embrace and similar cultural norm, normalties. Um, I think if you looked at You know, know what's interesting. I think one of the biggest advocates for peace in the world, and he doesn't even probably understand, doesn't even know that he is, is probably PewDiePie. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I I, I think that PewDiePie, the Swedish YouTuber, is probably somebody who connects more people across the world than anyone else in in society and in the entire world. Like PewDiePie has like... Almost a hundred million YouTube subscribers, uh, PewDiePie, PewDiePie, and people just bond over watching this kind of, kind of a uh, funky, kind of goofy Swedish kid like <laughs> like scream while he's playing Resident <laughs> Evil like oh like PewDiePie PewDiePie and I've listened I've I've you know I'm not like a frequent PewDiePie follower however I've like watched his stuff and the guy seems like a pretty. Um, he's kind of aware of his responsibility, and he's down. He's down to earth enough where he doesn't like become like the who's the the really big douchebag YouTuber, uh, something Logan, Logan Paul, Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. Yeah. The Paul, the Paul. There's like brothers, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I forget the other one's names, but the one who did the that who stumbled across the suicide in right. Japan and was like mm-hmm. videotaping it and like, oh, right. oh, 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 oh someone's dead, Fucking dead body. Jackass. Yeah, what a piece of shit. Um, he's not like that. He's, like, a guy who's, like, a level-headed guy who I think is probably uh, kind of... I don't know how he feels about the popularity of that of that channel, but, I mean, it has to mean something. And from what I've heard, he's not, like, some guy who's, like, a chauvinist who goes out and tries to swing his dick around and, and like, be an <laughs> asshole to people. You find he's, out on like, pretty private. Tomorrow, PewDiePie swings his dick around on live TV. There's, <laughs> but there's been a lot of stuff... There's been a lot of backlash against him because he... He sometimes makes some inappropriate jokes on his or what some people seem deemed to be inappropriate jokes on his YouTube channel. And there was a big scandal that made me release, cancel my Wall Street Journal account when it came out. Um, the, Wall, the Wall Street Journal wrote this huge piece that this huge hit piece on PewDiePie calling, calling him PewDiePie. an anti-Semite. On, on PewDiePie calling him an anti-Semite because... He was on. He had a YouTube channel. He had a YouTube video called. Have you heard about this? The the, the PewDiePie scandal where they were calling him an anti-Semite and he lost yeah, his show. I
0: didn't. I didn't. Uh, give I'll, it much. I'll explain it real quick. <laughs> uh, I know it's, we're
1: going we're going off the deep end right here. But he was on a. Uh, I think he was on Fiverr. The yeah the, task the freelance thing. website. The freelance yeah, yeah. website where we get mm-hmm. our art for the podcast. Right. Uh, Fiverr uh, free sponsorship. He Well, now we're going into a negative direction. (laughs) So, no, not a free sponsorship. But he was, these guys offered to write anything down on a, on a, um, like a whiteboard or something or on, and and do a dance. So he was like making them write like random stuff, like stupid stuff on a whiteboard. And the next day they would show up and have a video of them doing it. And then he said, write death to the Jews. And he come, they do it. And that's in the video. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did it. He was like, genuinely, he seemed pretty disturbed that that actually like that, that it seemed that they <laughs> actually it was pretty
0: stupid of him to even like,
1: yeah, he probably he shouldn't have he shouldn't have posted that. But uh, in today's world, but he didn't under I don't think I don't think he thought that people would like go after him as an anti-Semite, but he's not at all. He seems like a normal guy is not prejudiced at all. And it's just funny that. People like that who are independent as far as, like, not connected to a mainstream media outlet are continuously attacked by dying outlets like the Wall Street Journal. And, like, I don't really have, like, a connection to PewDiePie as in, like, I'm, like, a consistent follower of him. But, like, when I realized what was going on as far as a smear, I fucking said, fuck the Wall Street Journal. I'm not, I'm not, because I used to be subscribed to it and used to be, like, one of the papers I would read on a daily basis. And I was like, fuck the Wall Street Journal. This is a garbage publication. PewDiePie. 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 All right. See that? All right. This is... Uh, all right. I got well, one I more thought... thing for you
0: that might be fun to close Oh, on. yeah. What was that other thing? Okay. So, did you hear about the drones in Colorado? I heard about that, and that was interesting. Yeah. So... Um, Space wizard stuff It's it's crazy So uh, I am I, I like droning I own a drone I, I fly uh, Whenever I get a chance Unfortunately I sleep with my drone <laughs> Unfortunately Like you know You can't fly it anywhere In Manhattan Because it's like Restricted I airspace. touch my drone in places
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> But anyway So I, I, I see this um, Weird I, I'm also really into aliens And um, you know That's something that Doesn't come up too often On the podcast But Well Palestinians are aliens Right Uh, I'm not going there (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I see this news article a couple days ago About swarms Of drones In the sky over uh, Eastern Colorado And they would come out at night from like 6pm Till about like 10pm At night and fly In like, you know Like very distinct patterns You know, like almost like they were mapping Something or like scanning something and the, the crazy thing about it is that, you know, people from like four counties wide were seeing these things. They're calling the police. They're like, "What the fuck is this?" And in this specific area, um, the FAA, the the uh, Federal Aviation Administration, the folks who who um, control our airspace here, you know, normally like here in Manhattan, like I was saying, you can't fly here, right? It's like Class A restricted, you know, for obvious reasons, um, and. But not in, not in that specific area of Colorado. Like, you fly around where the hell you want, right? And furthermore, there's not a whole lot of, like, you know, tracking capability of drones, right? Like, they you know, you can register your drone, you can fly them around, but it's really hard to, like, see who the hell's in the sky, right? There's no, like, you know, signature, oh, this is Danny's drone flying in the sky, and where is it going, and what is it doing? But the point is that they were seeing hundreds of these drones flying around in Colorado at night, and n- nobody knows... Who whose drones they are, or what the fuck they're doing, and they've been happening for, like, weeks.
1: It's a chemtrail conspiracy. <laughs> they're, they're sucking up the rest of the vacuums. And it they're might go. be. They're, they're <laughs> monitoring good places to hibernate after George Soros and his minions release uh, Super super, super X ex- turns everyone homosexuals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it um, might be. I, I don't know. It's creepy as fuck, because... So some of the drones that they were describing were—it seemed like you know, standard, like drones you could pick up on, you know, in Best Buy or some shit. But other ones they were saying like has six foot, like wingspan. You know, that's a massive drone. That's a really big drone, and and they're flying very coordinated, and they're flying almost at the same time every day, and they can't figure out whose it is. Nobody's claiming responsibility for these drones, and they're just flying around unimpeded, and they can do so legally but it's like freaking people out. And like, some people want to shoot them out the sky. And like, you know, it's, it's like Colorado, you know, it's, it's, they, they value their privacy out there and they certain are certainly are second amendment folks. So, you know, they're thinking about shooting them out the sky. The cops keep telling them like, no, that's, that's illegal. You can't do that. Um, it's nuts. Uh, and, uh, the fact that this has been going on for so long and still nobody knows what it's going on. Like some people are like, Oh, what if they're doing topography or like, you know, it's an oil and gas company, like, you know, looking at the land, but that doesn't make a ton of sense because why are they flying at night? They should be flying during the day to do that.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Um, You think it's just a troll?
0: It might be. And if it is, I love it. (laughs) It's fucking interesting. It's a very high effort troll. Yeah, dude, because this is like a lot of drones and they're flying very specific flight patterns and they're still not getting caught. And everybody's like a little creeped out by it. You know, it's not hurting anybody in particular that we know of, you know, they could be flying chemtrails, who knows? Right. But I don't know. I find it really interesting. And now the FAA is like it's causing the FAA to want to, like, rethink some of the laws that they have for flying drones, which like sucks for me because like I like flying drone and I always abide by all the rules. But every time they make new rules, it's like makes it harder for me to go out and fly and, you know, have fun and shit. It's like people like these that, you know, scare people with their drones. It's like somebody's watching you from the sky. And I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion about it, but I think it's fucking interesting, and uh, and may, maybe it's aliens because you know it's it's totally possible. Did you hear about the um something about I think it was like the Denver airport has like a secret underground base or some shit like that, and it's like aliens or some shit. <laughs> you ever I did about not that hear.
1: I did not hear that. Oh my god! So is that where uh, they grow all the super chronic down there?
0: Uh, let's no. This is well before they they legalized marijuana. Let me see. Let me pull it up. So, yeah, it's like a, a Denver conspiracy theorist, uh, like a theory uh, about it and that there's apparently some underground tunnels or bunkers or something like that. And they're keeping aliens down there and shit. So I actually don't know how far away Denver is from you know where these drones have been flying around, but I'd like to make the connection right now and say it's actually alien technology, and they're testing it out, and like, they're making it look like drones, but really it's alien technology. So you heard it here. That's that's what's happening.
1: Is that your big prediction for two thousand
0: twenty? Yeah, totally. For this the is the year, yeah, this is the disclosure year. We're gonna find out. Let me see them
1: aliens. I God, <laughs> God willing, take take me, Lord Zeno, take me. I want to go and learn about how. I want to learn the the ways of Scientology and become. <laughs> well, level you don't three. have to go very far for I that. Think I, level, think gotta... I think it's level three. You get to you get Lord Zeno, right?
0: Yeah, uh, maybe.
1: I forget. Like I gotta watch level that
0: nine or some shit like that. Tom the Cruise lead. is
1: at Thetan level nine. I thought it was. They keep on making new rules, so there's like more fees that you have to pay. Yeah. So I think you're supposed to finish at six, but then they're like, "Oh, well, there's less people joining, so we got to make more levels." Right. Yeah. That's how they get you. Yep.
0: Yeah, it's like all right. it's like
1: downloadable content for games, man. <laughs> that's how they get you. Yeah, let go screw over the Iranians with downloadable content. That's how you get. That's how you get your money back, or, or the money that you took from them back when Obama signed the Iran deal. <laughs> get it back. I have a scheme. We we start implementing Fortnite there, and we and we wait until all the all the kids. I saw Fortnite be played for the first time ever in my entire life the other day as well. Really. Yeah, I've never played Fort Life, Fort Fort Life, Fortnite before. Um, I my cousin was pay, playing it, and it looked very fun. Um, I can't play because I'll get addicted to it. But <laughs> they uh, we we implement some downloadable content games in Iran, and we have that going to like a fund to make up the difference of the money that the unfrozen money they got back because of the JCPOA. Ultimate conspiracy. Hm. Ultimate. But they have to play it. Job. They have to play, they have to, play it. It. they have to enjoy it. They have to enjoy the fun content. All right. I'm not making any more sense. I'm starting to sound like I've had tea with Bill Cosby. I'm, I need to go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: I need to go to sleep. All right, man. Um, let's, all right, th- guys, thanks for joining us today for another episode. Um, rate and review the podcast, as always. And... Um, We uh, look forward to having another one. Peace.